0: in the hearing of your word and in the doing of your word. Uh, Father, we never want to be caught in that place in which uh, we have been so exposed to your word uh, that it has inoculated us from its power. So we yield our hearts to you today uh, that you would be most glorified in our midst. And again... May you continue to bless your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, we begin a series on authentic discipleship. Authentic discipleship. You know what is it, and why is this so important? Uh, To not only our lives as individuals, but also why is this important to the larger body of Christ? So, uh, not just here uh, at the Church of Chicago, but every single church. In fact, you take a look at the front of your bulletin. uh, You see those famous words in which Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. He tells us to go and to make disciples. Well, in order for us to go and to make disciples, the first thing must be true of us, and that is we must first be a disciple. How can you, or, or I, how can how can we make a disciple of Jesus Christ if we're really not a true disciple ourselves? Yeah, it's a bunch of phonies out here. A bunch of phonies talking about what uh, following Christ really is, uh, but at the heart of it, they themselves have not uh, reached into their hearts and their minds to uh, even assess themselves to see if they're a true follower of Jesus Christ. So henceforth we begin this message. Uh, This morning I heard a preacher on television and he said these very sobering words. He said this through form of a question asking us what are we doing with our time and what have we done with our time? Right? And you know how You spend your time from day to day, and we must ask ourselves the question, what have we accomplished? Do we spend time in God's word to mature according to his plan every single day? You see, if we do not uh, spend time in God's word, how can we indeed expect ourselves to be mature Christians? to be mature disciples. Uh, I'll give you an example, right? We just heard uh, Brother Leandro play. And every time I hear him play, it's just, you know, uh, the piano, it just really, it just drives me nuts because he's just, you know, he he has that thing Down. But one thing I can also tell you is that and I, and I don't know all of his life, but one thing I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt is that that didn't happen in one day. He didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to be a, 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 a great musician. I guarantee you that it spent day after day after day, time after time in order to become this great musician. So what happens with us and, and being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is also cumulative, is what the preacher says. In other words, we spend time working at a craft or doing something until finally we uh, can finally become that which we've been searching for all of our life. But if you never spend any time uh, trying to get better or trying to learn at that one thing one thing that you know is at the end of the day at the end of a year, at the end of several years you'll look back and you would have wasted your time my oh my how, how I recall uh, when I was a freshman in high school and uh, in, in our high school how uh, we had, uh, just in our orchestra, we had 275 kids in our orchestra. In our band, there were 500 members in our band alone. And these were not the same kids. It was a huge, was a huge school. Thousands and thousands of kids. But one of the things that I remember is that I was the absolute worst trumpet player when I walked through those doors. I never had a chance to go on any of the trips that first year and a half. Why? Because I was the worst. Yeah, there were some other freshmen who went on all the trips from day one, but me, I had to stay back. So I made it up in my mind what I needed to do was practice. Every single day, I would practice. But then, uh, one thing I noticed that my friend who went on all the trip, because he felt as if he was so naturally inclined, uh, he refused to practice. Do you know that uh, when you don't do something, it also has a negative cumulative effect on you as well? So when you think that you are staying still, actually you're going backwards and don't even realize it. So what happened was uh, he was here and I was here, but he did nothing about his situation and it didn't happen all at once, but finally I started to inch up this way. I started to inch up this way to finally I kind of remember the time in which we were on par and he was like, wow, how did that happen? I said, because you spent all your time with all the girls, and since the girls didn't like me, I spent all my time practicing. But I didn't stop there because I was trying to attain a particular goal. And I kept moving forward with my practice every single day while he kept fooling around. And eventually I inched ahead, and eventually it came to a point where they took me on the trips and they left him behind. See, my brothers and sisters, God wants to use you. God wants to use you, but our uh, our problem, our situation, is that we refuse to get into God's word. We get into everything else. It's hard for us to make disciples because we're not even sure if we're a disciple ourselves. So in this series, I am going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you in a lot of different areas of your discipleship uh, for you to check yourself before you wreck yourself before God. Have you ever seen someone who uh, desperately wanted to be your friend? But the more that you spoke to them, the more that you realize there's something kind of funny with them. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. But the more that you spoke Speak to them you realize why do they want to be my friend it seems like f- something funny is going on and then when you probe them they said no 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 all I want is to be your friend but you know that there is something odd about their spirit some folks you are, this is an easy one some folks want to be your friend because they want to get some of your money Today, we're going to hear about people who want to be Jesus' friend. Better still, they want to be his disciples. And as we walk through this message, I want you to ask yourself this all-important question. What are people's motives for following Jesus? Better still, what are your motives for wanting to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Today I'm going to pose a few scenarios why people do follow Jesus and and why some don't follow him. But when I'm done today, I want you to listen to me carefully. I want you to put yourself in one of the categories. You do not get a chance to pass, go. That you must stop and you must answer this question in your heart. Which category do I belong in? You must respond to God's word, and and better still, uh, even if you don't respond to God's word, I believe that God has an answer for you because he knows your heart. In fact, some of you may realize that you may be in two categories, and that's okay too. Allow the Lord to minister to you. So by determining what your motives are, you will also discover whether you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, Turn with me to John 6, verse 22. John 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus, verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. It is true that people have problems. And because we have problems, we look for answers. Amen? I'm not sure when the last time you had a problem. But I'm always seeking God for answers to situations and problems in my life. We notice in our passage that there were a group of people who searched out Jesus to find out where he was. So they were looking for Jesus. You seen Jesus? You seen Jesus? Where's Jesus, y'all? We need to find Jesus. Why? The first thing I want you to consider is all the way back to the beginning of chapter 6. All the way to the beginning of chapter 6, around verse 1, I'm not going to read all of this to you. You can just glance at that. And we see here that Many people were gathered before Jesus as he was teaching them. In fact, the scripture says that there were 5,000 men gathered before Jesus. Well, if you know anything about the original language, one of thing you understand, that the word that's used for men in this particular scenario called anthropoi. Uh, is that this is a plurality of, of, of words which, which really speaks of more than just men. This word also means other folks as well, like ladies and also children. Some have estimated that possibly that could have been uh, upwards of 10, maybe 15,000 people here gathered before Jesus to hear him teach. Uh, so uh, they follow Jesus because of his healings but now he was teaching them and his teaching began to shake things up but you know as i know you can only listen to the word of god or or, or god's man for a certain period of time and then you ready to eat amen I know some of you uh, may be thinking when you come to church, instead of focusing on worship in the Lord, you're trying to figure out oh, what am I having for dinner after church or where are we going to eat? Well, Jesus knew this about all these folks standing before him. He knew that as much as it seemed like these folks wanted to hear him teach and hear him preach, but they also were going to want to eat as well. So Jesus, here in verse 5 of the same chapter, Jesus asked Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? So Jesus, God, all omnipotent, all powerful, he asked Philip, where are we going to buy bread so these folks can eat? You know, these folks, they needed to to eat uh, regular food, physical food tangible food that they can see and and, and stuff down their pie hole as they attempted to grasp the magnitude of his teachings. I want you to know that if you have been following Jesus, he will not dismiss you. And I want you to know that Jesus is concerned about your needs. Things may get difficult, but I want you to know that Jesus is right there with you. So Jesus, what does he do? In his very divine fashion, he feeds this thousands of people with three loaves of bread and two fish. I know some of you would probably say, Man, of all things, how come he just didn't try to multiply a piece of steak or something? Why did it have to be fish? But isn't it wonderful when the Lord miraculously provides for us and our family? Isn't it a cause uh, to celebrate and joy and worship his name when we know that what we have is only because of Jesus? So recognizing this was a miraculous sign, the people wanted to, 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 to make Jesus king right away. Well, we know that Jesus eventually would be king of this earth. But at that particular time, because of the sign that he did, they wanted to make him king. And we'll see that a little bit later if you read through the passage, specifically in verse 15. But Jesus knew that this was well too soon before his time to become king. So he slips away. So our passage picks it up on that next day when the people went looking for Jesus and found him on the other side of the sea. And we see that in verse 25. And then they made it seem so innocent by saying they had been looking for Jesus. Remember early on, uh, 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 I told you that everybody was trying to find, where is Jesus at? Where is Jesus? Where did he go? And they asked him here in verse 25, Rabbi, when they found him, when did you come here? Isn't that great? They had been searching for Jesus all night. And now the next day they find Jesus on the other side. They're like, oh man, Jesus, I'm so glad I found you. Oh man, I'm glad I found you. Makes sense to me why they wanted. To know where Jesus was because to me, uh, verse 15 says that they wanted to make him king. But Jesus says that they were looking for him solely because they liked the idea of him giving, him, giving them something to eat. They liked the idea of Jesus giving them something to eat and that's why they were really looking for them. Verse 26. Jesus says, You are seeking me because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, only reason why you folks come looking for me wasn't because of my teaching, it's because I lined up all that subway before you. All of those subway sandwiches I gave you, those tuna subway sandwiches. This is why you have come to me uh, because you ate your fill. So, in the back of my mind, in other words, they were also trying to figure out then, how can I get more without using my own money? This is an issue, brothers and sisters, we all must come to grips with. Do we follow Jesus Christ because he is king and savior? Or do we follow him because we have an immediate need that needs to be taken care of? Uh, I'll say that one more time. Do we follow him because he is Savior? Or do we follow him for what he can do for me and my family? Oh, Jesus, I need a car. I'm just telling you the truth. I need a car so uh, if Jesus can give me a car, then I'm good. The other day, I encountered a a young lady, and I was speaking to her, uh, this was last week, I was speaking to her, and I asked her how she was doing, right? She saw that I was from uh, the Church of Chicago, and I asked her how she was doing. She says, blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Have you heard that? Praise God. Praise God. Well, if you know anything about me, you know I had to ask a follow-up question, right? So I asked her to question why are you blessed and highly favored of the Lord? She says, well, uh, 2014 was my year. The Lord, he, he blessed me with this job. Oh, praise him. The Lord, he, he, he blessed me with a new car. Praise the Lord. God has shown favor on my life. And then to top it all off, The Lord has granted me uh, his favor by providing a brand new house. So 2014 was my year, and I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. So I looked at her. and know this, I, I never, I never try to burst anyone's bubble. That is, that is not my purpose for asking people questions. So if you think this is what Pastor Spencer does all the time, no it's not. I am interested in how are you attracting yourself to be a real disciple of Jesus Christ if this is what you say you are. So I asked her this question. Well, what would happen if you no longer have a car? What would happen uh, if all of a sudden you're out of your house? What would happen if, if, if all of a sudden you don't have a job? Are you still blessed and highly favored of the Lord? You see, if you know Jesus Christ then you can can answer that question easily and you can say yes I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord even if all those trappings of life some of the things in which we think that we need even if they disappear we know as long as we have Jesus we have all that we need so don't believe the hype of those who who would try to uh, tell you that one of the signs of a person who's really have faith in Jesus Christ is the fact of all the stuff they have? That's a lie. That is a lie. The sign that you have Jesus Christ is that you have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's the sign. And when I think about these uh, 5,000, 10,000 folks who Jesus fed with the bread and the fish. One of the things that I know is that uh, one day that they got hungry again. One day they wanted more bread. One day they wanted more fish. And and Jesus had discerned this is why they came to him because that one day had come again. This is why I believe that sometimes I think uh, the the thing that some people need the most, they need to hear the word of, uh, of the Lord. They need to hear the gospel. They don't need to to be blessed. They need to have their faith solidified in the person of Jesus Christ. So some people do follow Jesus. Why? Because they have a need and they want it met. And we ever run into problems when uh, if that need is not met and then we begin to wonder about Jesus Christ if he loves us. We try then, if all of our needs are met or not not met, we try to validate whether or not if we need him. The miracle grabs our attention, uh, but it points to Jesus, who alone will keep you when the going gets tough. That bread is not going to keep us. That water is not going to keep us. That fish, that house, that car is not going to keep us. Because one day, if you live long enough, uh, you're not going to want any of that stuff. Well, I remember uh, like it was yesterday, the day that I was in the hospital. Man, and I think of that th- uh, as I reflect on all the things up to that point that I thought was important. When they have you strapped down in the bed, your arms and your feet. Uh, you coming out of a corner of thinking you th- in a loony bin somewhere. And I was not in the loony bin, if you're wondering. <laughs> they just didn't want me to hurt. They didn't want me to go berserk and hurt myself. When you begin to reflect on all of that junk, yes, sir. the one thing that you realize that you need above all things is Jesus. Because no, none of that stuff, stuff saves you. None of that stuff, all of a sudden, it wasn't even important anymore. All the the jobs, all the bills that are there, all the money in the bank, even your own kids. All you're trying to do right now is just fight for your life and you know only Jesus can save you. I tell you, men and women, boys and girls, of all ages, that we must get it right. Don't follow Jesus for the things that he can give you, but follow him for what he can save and how he can save you and redeem your life. So a person's motive for being a disciple of Jesus, to get an immediate uh, immediate need met, is not the place that we should be. But here's another motive. Motive number two. Because Jesus gives eternal life. <laughs> What's a motive for following Jesus? Let's see. A duh, because he gives eternal life. Here we go, uh, verse 35. Verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. You want a motive for, for being a disciple of Jesus Christ because he provides eternal life. And again, as I said before uh, the temporary things that we seek for will only last for a little while Anyway, I was listening to uh, some information. Uh, when we think about homes, I'm thinking about homes all of a sudden. Uh, uh, when we think about our houses and we get into these homes and we think they're going to last forever, uh, I was listening to some information about the homes in Japan. And they said, except for those who have, uh, which have historical significance, that after 30 years they tear all those houses down and start over again because after 30 years they have outlived their usefulness. Unless you have a house, think about your house right now. Is your house 20, 30 years old? So if you're praying for God to give you a house, you're praying for God to give you a house that will one day have to be torn down or or redone or re-something. Jesus explains that uh, he is what we really need there in verse 35. The things we are really looking for is a way to stop the blight of our daily needs from happening. Now, every day there's something that comes up in our life. People are needy. We all are very needy people. But guess what? God created us to need him, to want him. And This is also what it mean, means to be made in his image, not just to be like God in some sense, but the fact that we need to be connected with him. But we, however, get confused and think uh, that we want, what we want is not Jesus, but the deliverance from a situation where it, it may be true in your life. We must walk in that reality. You know, stuff happens in our life and we need Jesus to intervene. Amen? We need Jesus to come and, and, and fix some problems in our life, but that is not the primary thing that we need from Jesus. We must have a life insurance policy that's for us. And not for the people we leave behind. Amen? Isn't that interesting that when we have life insurance policies, that it ain't for us. It don't insure our life. It insures their life. Once you accept Jesus' offer, he assures that you have a relationship with him. And he insures our life all the way into eternity. So if you follow Jesus because He gives eternal life, then you are following Him for the right reason. You get it. You understand it. You have accepted how God has sent His Spirit to open a door of understanding and then you have accepted that reality. This is a good motive and this is on target. And praise the Lord if you have accepted Jesus Christ for the eternal life that He gives you and that you have accepted Jesus Christ because now you are in relationship with Him. But verse 36 tells us there are some who saw Jesus but they did not accept his offer. How have you responded when God's spirit has begun to work in your hearts? Well the next point is uh, not a motive for being a disciple of Jesus but instead It is a reason why some folks don't want to be his disciple. Motive number three. Some don't have a motive to be Jesus' disciple because his words are simply too tough to swallow. They can't handle it. Verse 52. Verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Here it is again. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood. Abides in me. And I in him. But one of the things that. I must say. Because we do have uh, children present. Is that uh, Jesus is not talking about folks to go and eat his body. He was not talking about folks to go and drink his literal blood. That's not what Jesus was talking about. And for some of us adults, I know that uh, you may look at this passage and that you are considering the fact that maybe this is kind of the first picture of communion, but no, not really Jesus. He was trying to get across another point here. So we must study God's God's word because if we don't, we will misunderstand what he conveys to us. This is a a figure of speech which, which tells us we must internalize and accept all of what Jesus has for us. It is not enough to hear. It is not enough to take notes. It's not enough Uh, To even say I have this amount of notes because I heard God's word. That's not enough for us. We must take to heart what God says and discover what we are supposed to do with his word. What do we do with this word that God is presenting to us today? Are we supposed to just ignore it and go out of here cussing and, and fighting like we always have? No. We must ask the question, do I need to make some adjustment in my life? What about my relationships? As a matter of fact, what about my attitude? Responding to God's word is important, else our hearts become hardened through repeated exposures. I've told you this before. You know, it is better that you don't hear God's word regularly because the more that you hear it, the more you become responsible for it. And also, if you do not respond properly to his word, what also happens is your heart becomes hardened. It's like if you, if you have decided, I'm not going to do anything that God has said, basically, it's like putting a piece of steel around your heart. And then you hear God's word again, you say, well, I'm not going to do it. Uh, you know, so it's like putting another piece of steel around your heart. Next thing you know, you're walking, you're living uh, just like those who don't have a relationship with Jesus our Lord. Eventually, if you don't properly respond to God's word, uh, then uh, God's words become just like any other words that you hear. See, as long as people are getting what they want from Jesus, they're okay. But as soon as as Jesus begins to make demands on us, all of a sudden, we turn our backs on him. Jesus told them they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Again, he's asking us, uh, what do we eat to live? And what do we drink to quench our thirst?" He's speaking of the spiritual life. What are you doing for your life today? Will you ignore God's word? Will you internalize God's word? Or will you again ignore what God is telling you in his house? We must accept his teachings. We must accept Jesus. So some of these people who call themselves Disciples of Jesus Christ turned away from him after hearing his teachings. Here we go, John 6, 66. Can't get no plainer than this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. After this, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. One of the things I saw in this passage was uh, the various levels of people surrounding Jesus. Went all the way back to the beginning of chapter 6, you saw the crowds. That was just kind of like everybody. Uh, The scripture speaks of the crowds. And then you see the scripture uh, speak of the disciples or or his disciples. And then you see the scripture speak of the Jews. These are the ones who are going to try to pick out everything that Jesus was trying to say because they were after him and they wanted to get rid of him. And then, there's another group, there were many other disciples as well. There were a larger group of disciples who were following him. But when they heard this word, they said, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus, that's enough. You know, there are some people who are in church today that seem like they're faithful and seem like they love the Lord, but later we discover that they had long turned their backs on Jesus. You know, I just want to encourage you because you know, when you're first learning the things of, of, of anything, right, you're in school and you're learning math. Uh, I remember a little girl I heard the other day, she said uh, that the one thing uh, that she stresses out in life the most are fractions. Uh, those fractions, they, they really just stress her out. When you're in the learning mode, typically what happens, you you kind of start here, and you got to kind of you have to push, and you have to push until you break through, and then eventually you get the understanding. I want you to know that God will give you the understanding if he doesn't give it to you instantly that you keep on pressing and you don't quit. Eventually Jesus will help you to understand his word. That you don't have to succumb with questions. You don't have to succumb to the pressures of all those around you who don't like Jesus Christ. Don't follow the friends who who also don't get it. Follow Jesus. Here Jesus was pointing to himself as new covenant manna fulfillment to the manna experience the Hebrews had in the wilderness. Verses 48 through 50. I am the bread of life. Your father's ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Uh, You see, Jesus is talking about the folly of focusing uh, so much on the stuff that doesn't bring uh, eternal life. Verse 50. This is the bread he's talking about himself and his word that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So we have seen uh, three motives for being a disciple of Jesus. One, he meets uh, immediate needs. Two, he imparts eternal life. And three, a motive for not accepting uh, a a discipleship with Jesus is because his words are just too hard to follow. It's just too tough to swallow. Here's the fourth and final motive for becoming a disciple of Jesus. Motive number four, he is the best choice of all. He is, Jesus is the best choice of all. And for that matter, he's the only choice. Verse 67. Verse 67. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Interesting, verse 70. I'll read it. Jesus answered them Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. But Peter asked the question, Lord, who are we going to go to? You're the one who got eternal life. You know, when we make a a very quick uh, scan of the religious landscape, we find out that there's many choices in life, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, who have their own prophets. And people talk about other religious possibilities. And yes, and it's true that you can probably go to each and every one of them and find some good things that they say. Yeah, they have some good things that they actually say. But never at any time did any of them claim to be God and also prove it at the same time. As a matter of fact, neither did Moses. Neither did Jacob or Isaac or Abraham. None of them attained the level that Jesus had. They neither claimed to be God and neither could they back it up. Jesus Christ alone has the personhood, the power and the authority for redemption, for the acceptance uh, to the entire human race. No other person uh, has even claimed to be what Jesus has and what he has said he was and was able to back it up. And this sort of thing takes us back full circle to the miracles of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he does. Who shall we go to in order to become and make real and true disciples of God? Who is there out there? There is none other than Jesus Christ. Well, what are your motives for being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple because you want an immediate need taken care of? Are you a disciple because Jesus provides eternal life? No matter, have you rejected discipleship because uh, Jesus' words are just too tough to swallow? Or are you a disciple of Jesus Christ because there is no real choice out there anyway? So what do you do now? If you thought you were a disciple but only wanted things from Jesus, I pray that you will repent and turn to him quickly. Because as Jesus told that rich man uh, that today your life will be required of you. If this message is new to you, I encourage you to hear the words of life and accept them as God's will for you. If you have rejected his message because you thought it was just too tough, I invite you to investigate his claims and submit yourself to him. Finally, if you are confused, when you look at all the options in the world, we would have you to know there's no one like Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can celebrate and you can know, well, there might be some things that I can do better, but I can celebrate because Jesus has saved my life. What is your motive for being a disciple of Jesus Christ? And then not only that, not only that, not only that. What do you do to back that up? How do you live your life accordingly? Oh, it's not easy being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, no. But Jesus, He wants our hearts.